You've reached the Onkin Radio Podcast. Nick Onkin here, exploring the world from creativity, consciousness, and everything in between to help you alchemize your life to its fullest expression. Hello, hello, my friends, fellow earthlings, maybe aliens, if that's what you want to call yourself. We are back with another episode of the Onkin Radio Podcast. I'm your host, Nick Onkin, and today I'm excited to bring to you a dear, dear friend of mine, Eleven. And we met years and years ago, probably eight years ago, on set uh, shooting Tori Kelly, who's actually also a a previous podcast guest from from way back in the day. And uh, Eleven was doing makeup for the shoot. And then we met and we became friends even went out on a couple dates way back in the day and stay tuned for another episode we're going to be talking more about that whole interaction but this week i really wanted to talk to them about their transition into non-binary and you've heard me talk a lot about identity alchemy as of late and uh, it's it's a signature process a process, a signature process that I've been developing for the personal brand. And so creating congruence between who you are as a person, your vision, your message, your service to the world, and how that translates into visual imagery and the visual brand that you're putting out into the internets, into the world, into all the different touch points of your brand. But identity alchemy is a process that can just be used for life in general. It's personal development. It's, you know, we are constantly creating our, a new identity in every moment. We're constantly curating our reality. And it's a concept I've been thinking a lot about lately. And so I wanted to interview Eleven here and talk about their transition into non-binary. And it's something that's really at the forefront of our culture and society today. And it's a conversation that's happening. And I find it very, very interesting. And, and you know, this transition to non-binary is a very, very, very extreme form of identity alchemy, yet it still fits under that umbrella. Obviously, not everyone, that's not everyone's journey. But I wanted to talk to them about this as it is a part of, it's their journey. It's a journey that's happening for a lot of, a lot of people, a lot of beings on the planet right now. And so I'm very curious to learn more, which I wanted to share that with you here on this episode. Eleven and I have been friends for, for years now, and we've recently reconnected over the last couple of years. And I've been just, you know, kindred spirits and artists together. They are a super talented artist, makeup, hair, music, all kinds of things. You know, a a creative alchemist as well as how I identify these days as a creative alchemist, mixing and blending all kinds of different art forms with the transcendence and depth of consciousness and how that all flows together. It's a, it's a piece that I'm exploring in my own identity these days and learning more and more about what that means, how that gets put out into the world. And I know for me, doing my own personal work, my, you know, diving down the this, this spirituality and consciousness rabbit hole and seeing how that affects and inspires and informs the art that I put out into the world. And Eleven is very much the same, and they are on their own 
journey and they've also been a huge spiritual advisor or friend or however you want to call it in my life and they have a lot of great wisdom and and things to share so i'm excited to bring to you this interview today with Eleven, and we are continuing this journey. And I think, you know, in terms of other things we've been talking about, teaching together, we did a, we taught together a a sacred yin and yang class in Tulum a couple months ago, actually, which was super fun, creating from the space of the feminine and masculine balance. And uh, stay tuned, because we'll be, we talk about that a little bit here in the episode, and we'll be doing a lot more of it. And um, yeah, as far as other things happening right now, we are rocking and rolling. I've been creating a lot of hats. If you haven't seen that, this is speaking of creative alchemy, another outlet of my, another creative outlet of mine that has been growing into a, a business. At Onken Hat is the Instagram, onkenhat.com. And Eleven has been a, a muse of mine for the brand as well. So you'll see them rocking the hats. So it's been a full, full circle. We do a lot of photo shoots together as well. And um, have just been in a space of immersive creation. So with that, I bring to you my dear, dear friend, Eleven. All right, party people, fellow earthlings. <laughs> beep, beep. Nanu, nanu. I have, well, and I think we're going to talk about this, which I want to talk about. My friend and muse and beloved and so many different things. And uh, Eleven here on the show today. A.K.A in the past, used to be known as Lynette Sine, but now taking ownership of Eleven, yeah. Yeah, well, and this is they. Thank you. They have gone through a huge, huge process of identity alchemy over the last, how how long would you say this transition has taken you or has been in formulation? Because you had a dream. I mean, we'll go into this later, but... I would say, I mean, it's really been since the beginning, but I would just say, you know, the genesis of this transition was probably a year ago. Okay. When it started really coming through. Yeah. 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 So this is, this is a long process of really a lot of deep inner alchemy and uh, we'll, we'll get deeper into it as we go along. But identity alchemy really is kind of something I've been really bringing to light, uh, especially coming out into the personal brand space as I do a lot of photography and I'm helping people through their own process of identity alchemy. And I really wanted to have Eleven on here because she's gone through a very, very, you know, to the nth degree of (laughs) identity alchemy into a whole new avatar, a whole new being. And so we're going to talk a little bit about that story. And we're also going to talk about a few other fun things like flirting with creativity mm-hmm. and blending the lines between the muse and the artist. And I'm sure we're going to get into a lot of other things just as we bob and, bob and weave here. Mm-hmm. So, 11, 11. <laughs> Let's give people a little bit of a background first. 
of your story of, you know, we met back on set shooting Tori Kelly through our mutual friend, Scooter Braun. And, um, you know, when we had met, you were doing hair and makeup and then moved into the YouTube space and got married. But I'm going to let you tell this story because <laughs> <laughs> you know it way better than I do. It's been quite the hero's journey, y'all. Yeah. No, I love bringing us into the like awareness of you and I like and how we I guess you know came into each other's fields because it's just been a really fun journey of co-creating with you since the very beginning that's what it, it has been mm-hmm. is like coming into yeah our gifts and like conjoining them so that's been really fun so thank you for having me <laughs> on your podcast because this is my favorite thing to do you and I have talked for probably thousands of hours now at this yeah. point and we're finally recording. Jeez, yeah. <laughs> Anyone need a really, really kindred, sweet spirit to just hold space for you? Nick on can everyone. But um, like <laughs> honestly, you have held a lot of space for me, and I'm so grateful. As I've kind of gone down my my journey and my path, you've just definitely been a constant in my life, and I really appreciate you just being such a great listener. Yeah, I appreciate you. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, so. Geez, in a nutshell, moved to LA, was doing the hair and makeup thing on set. Yeah, met you through that. Then got into doing, I mean, am I doing this? Am I telling like a little bit of the life story? Just tell a little bit. So we have a little bit of context Great, okay. as to who the former 11 Lynette Sine avatar is and yeah. and has been and, you know, the the YouTube star that you've been. Oh, boy. (laughs) Oh, hello, YouTube. (laughs) Oh, man. Yeah, so I I was doing hair and makeup on set, and that was my highest excitement. A little note would be that my parents are magicians, so I grew up kind of like in the magic world, (laughs) the illusion of magic, not to be confused with music, but magicians. So always a performer, like once a performer, always a performer. Grew up on stage doing magic. And so hair and makeup and glitz and glamour was kind of always my my upbringing, smoke and mirrors, literally like smoke machines and sequins feel like home. And yeah, so found myself living in LA, doing hair and makeup, got casted to, you know, be the hair and makeup for, you know, some really incredible projects, including some of which you and I have worked on and, and then felt myself feeling very conflicted because I did grow up on stage as the talent. And then found myself behind the scenes and I would sit there and I would be preparing the talent and thinking, okay, I'm here for this. This is great. And I really want to be the one that people are preparing to be on screen, you know? (laughs) And I think, yeah, there was a, a serious part of me that was feeling lack in that. And I was like, okay, I just need to believe I'm worthy of it. So I kind of transmuted the story and decided to start seeking outside of just being the you know hair and makeup and started seeking casting calls to be the talent all right my friend i want to tell you about today's sponsor and it is one of my favorite brands organifi Uh, as you know i'm all about putting healthy things into my body and using different supplements and things to get the nutrients that i need uh, when i can't always have access to them through other means of vegetables and things like that. So one of my favorite uh, mixtures is 
something that I like to mix three of their products together. It's the pure, the red juice, and the green juices. And it's a power pack of nutrients in the morning. Um, so I've been doing this every morning. And what's been great is I've been taking it on my travels so that I can keep some daily nutrients with me, especially when it's a very travel schedule. I don't always have access to foods that I want to eat. Um, so it's a great staple, great way to um, bring things on the road. They have little travel packs too, which is perfect. So you can just drop them in, mix them with water, and they're delicious. Less than three grams of sugar, uh, which is very, very little, and it's all organic. Either way, no processed sugars. Uh, so the green juice, which is great, is just you get your daily doses, your daily dose of nutrients that you need. You just mix it with water. There's 11 superfoods like ashwagandha, morninga, chlorella, spirulina, turmeric, and much more. The red juice is a superfood berry blend that contains adaptogens, antioxidants, and a clinical dose of cordyceps mushrooms, which is highly, highly beneficial to you. There's 13 superfoods for energy support like beets, blueberries, acai, pomegranate, Siberian ginseng, reishi mushrooms, rhodiola, and more. So it gives you a bunch of energy without the caffeine. Um, and then Pure. Uh, Pure is about promoting gut health and the morning brain fog is very helpful. It promotes healthy BDNF levels and mental clarity. For those of you that don't know what that is, I didn't. I had to look this up. Uh, brain-derived neurotropic factor. It's the key molecule involved in plastic changes related to learning and memory. So neuroplasticity, things like that. Uh, what's great, it's infused with lion's mane and coffee berry. Got baobab from an African fruit that contains 10 times the amount of vitamin C that oranges do. It's got apple cider vinegar to improve gut health. Contains all kinds of other goodies like aloe vera, ginger root, monk fruit, digestive enzymes, and more. So you can go check this out, uh, Organifi.com. That's with an I uh, at the end, not a Y. And you can use the code ONKEN, O-N-K-E-N, for 15% off at checkout. And so I remember one day I showed up to this casting call and there was this whole line of people, like women mostly, and... Um, I didn't really know what it was for, to be honest. I just knew that they were calling on like professional hair and makeup people, but to be on camera as kind of like experts. And I just thought, okay, well, that sounds great. And lo and behold, it was to launch a YouTube channel. So I had a whole production company, you know, launch a YouTube channel for me. And I had a group of like, I don't know, a team of 13 people that helped me launch my socials. So that's when the Lynette Sine story really began. And Lynette is the name I was born with. Lynette Sine is, Sine is my middle name kind of like Renee, but with a C. So yeah, for about 10 years, about a decade, I really, you know, told that story and I was online and um, was doing, you know, a bunch of different beauty videos and also just telling my story quite transparently online. And in that time frame as well, I ended up marrying my, you know, my husband at the time, you know, got married and also, again, very transparently told that story online, and he was a very big part of my journey through that, and <laughs> whoa, a lot of deep alchemy, a lot of deep soul contracts from that relationship, and yeah, and then, so we got married in 2015, and then I'm being delicate, of course, just because I have such a high reverence for him as well, and it was a deep, deep, deep 
part of the process for me because it was really a challenging relationship and we both experienced domestic violence and it was it was crazy so if you ever want to like go down a journey you can go on youtube you can go and check that stuff out (laughs) i talk pretty transparently about it and it's part of the story but all that to say moving forward i decided to leave the marriage and i had a couple teachers that were like hey we're going to peru and i had been feeling the call towards doing deeper plant medicine work Mm. specifically then it was ayahuasca. And one of my friends, now friend, mentor, teacher, was like, I, I know that you're coming. Like, I see you going on this trip. And I was like, okay. And that's kind of when this whole evolution had began. And that was in 2018. Mm. So it's been kind of like this wild journey since then. And that's kind of taken me into this space of you know, the psychedelic renaissance and deeper, deeper work, inner work. And yeah, a whole new transition has come through me. Our whole new archetype, a whole new avatar kind of made its way (laughs) through the process. And so now here I am identifying as 11, a non-binary cosmic being. And it feels more myself. Like I've never felt this just authentic and true and feels fucking great yeah so great great insight so i wanted to kind of dive a little bit deeper into and we'll almost just kind of walk through the process of identity alchemy to kind of see where you were because you've you've definitely i've i've definitely hit a lot of these points already in my space and i can see them in your timeline so the first the first kind of step in the process is deconstruction so you you went through a full deconstruction process, very, very deep in who you were and who you you were showing up as. What is, what was that deconstruction process like for you? And what kind of modalities, I mean, in plant medicine, obviously, but like what were the different modalities that you were utilizing to get you, yourself through that? Mm, great question. The deconstruction for me, because I was married to like a Christian worship leader. So it really began. I remember this moment. I had kind of been in the LGBT community before I got married. That's just important to note. And then I felt a lot of like false shame and guilt and then ended up marrying, you know, super out of integrity, but married a man just because I was like really trying to mask deeper wounds from my parents. Mm. So the deconstruction for me has really stemmed from the inner child work and the inner child stuff of just, you know, masking in unique ways. I don't know if that makes sense, but I started just asking myself, is this what I want? Or is this like what my parents want? Like, what am I, who am I actually living for right now? Mm -hmm. I'm really confused. And I I started just really kind of doing my own study, my own self-study and deep inquiry and the deconstruction started with belief structures that I had been raised in. And once I started kind of going outside of that, that's when the thread, the golden thread began to unravel. And I think a lot of us have gone down that journey that have grown up in the church or grown up in some sort of religious, you know, structure. And it's a beautiful process and also quite scary because you're like, everything that I have been programmed to believe is now crumbling. And, um, it's not for the faint of heart, the spiritual awakening process. And uh, 
So I don't know if that answers your question, but yeah, I mean, we all go through, I think, yeah, the deconstruction phase of like, and sometimes we don't get past it when it's raining cosmic bricks and we don't listen and they get, keep getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And, you know, because, you know, we have been in that programmed construct. And I think the big thing is to like, to start by questioning that construct. When, when did you start questioning the construct? that you were like programmed to like live in? The divine feminine, the sacred feminine, the Holy Spirit, some would say, started really speaking loudly. It was like starting to become not like an actual audible voice, but it was a stirring in -hmm. my spirit. Some call it like the niggling feeling inside, right? Just this, you know it. We all know it. Gut instinct. (laughs) We all know it. It's not even necessarily gut instinct, though. It's like this like nagging at your spirit of like Mm. something else is happening here. Something else I'm missing. Mm -hmm. And it was just this like, I read a book too, actually. I would love to talk about this book. It's called Light is the New Black. And it's by Rebecca Campbell, a dear spiritual teacher, Mm. mentor of mine from afar, although we haven't met in the flesh. And that book really began to rock me because she talks about that, the niggling feeling inside. And I knew there was more. And it was the divine feminine really, really desperately wanting to speak. And um, yeah, so I think I started studying, you know, outside of canonized scripture. For me personally, I was raised in the church and Nick and I have talked a lot about this because so are you. (laughs) And a lot of us church kids, hey y'all, we find each other, you know, what a gift for that foundation. Recovering Christians. Yes. (laughs) And there's more. That's it. There is more out there. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. So I started studying outside of canonized scripture. My dad is a theologian. Bless, bless, bless. I really am so grateful for his wisdom and insight. And I started studying Mary Magdalene. And that's when the deconstruction started (laughs) happening. (laughs) Interesting. Interesting. Okay. 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 So now when you're deconstructing who you were, so who do you feel like you were at that point? And then when you started reading Mary Magdalene and, and researching her, what did that enlighten, bring you to in a new space? Like what new narratives constructed from that? So I was showing up in the world as a beauty YouTuber, Lynette Sinead, that was actually quite masculine, quite freaking masculine. I was you know, at the time and bless, 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 I was the provider in my marriage and I was just like really in my masculine, just like showing the F up and although putting on all this makeup, you know, so I was like this paradox. It literally was quite confusing for me because I was showing up in the world as a very feminine presenting avatar, but operating in my full masculine. So if you study the heroine's journey, Maureen Murdoch talks about the heroine's journey. It's the illusion of success, the rejection of the feminine. Mm. And so I recommend to everybody, if you have studied, of course, the hero's journey, Joseph Campbell, he wrote that in the 50s. It was a very patriarchal way of writing it, which is beautiful because we all do have the masculine in us, the hero's journey, which I have gone down both the hero and now implementing and integrating the heroine's journey has been really helpful for me to see that as that avatar, Lynette Sine, I, yeah, I was like illusion of success fully, you know, I was like, making great money, doing the YouTube thing, speaking on stages for thousands of people, you know, flying first class around the country, you know, just just just, just different things, like illusion of success fully. Operating though completely in the masculine and showed up very very toxic masculinity honestly in my marriage. Mm-hmm. And I totally take radical responsibility <clears throat> for that. What is, what does that look like? 
toxic masculinity coming from, well, at that point, a woman's side of things, yeah. the female side of things. Yeah, I think I had a lot of anger, mm. a lot of anger. And so I was very explosive, very explosive. And yeah, I was just like really good at keeping it together. And like, it was the illusion, right? So I was like really good at the Maya. So I would be like, so like put together, my makeup would be perfect. And I would show up in these spaces and be loving to everybody else. And then behind the scenes, because I had a lot of resentment towards my husband for like where he was at in his career and this, these things, right? Expectations, managing expectations, y'all. Wow. <laughs> you know, I had an expectation of, <laughs> geez, like something different, right? And uh, yeah, I didn't show up in my best at all. And uh, I really broke him and I was really verbally abusive and it wasn't great. And I was showing up, yeah, like just in my time, I can take ownership of it. I was, I was showing up in toxic masculinity as a feminine avatar. Wild. And a lot of women, I don't think you'll hear a lot of women take ownership of that, mm. but I've had to go in deep <laughs> and take a look at the mirror. So yeah. Yeah. And then integrating and understanding Magdalene, it was the sexual oppression that I felt deeply in my spirit because I had been dating women all throughout my early twenties and, you know, then got into this very heteronormative marriage and sex was a huge topic that I felt very confused by. Cause I was like, mm. this just doesn't feel, there's just something more. And I've always been a very sexual being and I just didn't understand, you know, yeah, just how oppressed sexuality felt within the church. And then I started studying, Oh, Okay, Mary Magdalene, you know, and Yeshua. Because how do you identify? How does a woman identify with a celibate rabbi? Really challenging. So I started just trying to understand, oh, wait, what? And then I started going down Gaia and like watching everything I could <laughs> on Magdalene. And then I, you know. And what did we find? Lots of great stuff. I mean, give us the give Phew. us a couple juicy nuggets. I mean, I am merely a fetus. I'm still in deep inquiry and study. All of this is lore at the end of the day. So yeah. do I believe that all of these characters are characters that wrote in journals that we now refer back to? Absolutely. Um, and I think that they were exactly who we were too. And but studying ancient mysticism and, you know, the Kundalini unification between the both of him and her, you know, Christ is one of the greatest characters, Yeshua, one of the greatest characters to ever live. Bless, bless, bless. And Y'all, they're having a great time. They were having some transcendent level sex. So that was something I had been taught. And again, people might have a huge problem with this. And like yeah. Not, who knows? I wasn't actually there. This is what I'm reading in my studies. And in my but they've kept it out of the big book for, you know, for reasons. <laughs> they kept it out. Wasn't, that, wasn't there this thing where like 15 years of Jesus's life wasn't even recorded? Well, yeah, 13 to 30, he dropped off the map. That was another, that was a huge reason why I started going, okay, where did Yeshua go? Where did he go study? If we're supposed to be like this character, well, let's know what practices he did. And I want to just give credit where it's due. My ex-husband, Corey, truly helped me start this journey. Mm. And he would actually was studying Magdalene with me. And so that was a beautiful journey to go down. And it started just taking its whole, you know, evolution. But yeah. I was really grateful to have that prompted. And I was like, true, where was Christ? Where was he studying with his uncle? Where did he go? What practices did he, you know, practice daily? Yeah. So what did you, I mean, when, from studying Mary Magdalene, what did you learn about yourself in, in still kind of in this deconstruction phase of like, oh, okay, I realized this and I realized this about myself. 
Well, so growing up with parents that were magicians, it was the illusion of it. And my parents were Christian magicians. Talk about a paradox, people. <laughs> Woo! It's been a journey. There was a moment at one of the churches that Corey and I were a part of, and I was taken aside. And they said, we hear that your wife is practicing witchcraft. I had my crystals and my little spell books and my little, you know, whatever. And so, and I was. And so I literally took ownership. I was like, yeah, I am. Because I was casting spells for the highest good of all. So I was very confused why you couldn't mix some of these things. And I, and granted, I understand that there are people practicing all kinds of magic. So anyway, at the church we were at specifically, they were like freaked out and, you know, they're like, you got to take your dream catchers down. And I was like, what? I'm Native American. My mom made these dream catchers for my wedding. It just started to become very distasteful to me, the fear that people had. And so I started realizing I don't fit. And that's been a story and that's a script that I keep running through my head, which manifests and rears its ugly head in not great ways of I don't fit, I don't fit, I don't fit. So I've been like trying to transmute that story. But at the time, that was very real for me. I was like, <laughs> I don't fit in this community. And um, I needed to leave. So I knew I needed to leave the church. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. And I did. And the marriage. <laughs> the church, the marriage. And then you went through a, a deep... I guess a space of a time of deep healing and deep alchemy going through plant medicine and, and other therapies and modalities. And I think that's a big piece of that deconstruction space, right? Mm -hmm. What did plant medicine, I mean, cause I, I love plant medicine. I'm a big, big believer in it. And what has it been for you? Great. And this connects me back to, cause I don't know if I fully answered your other question, but great question. Cause it leads into, when I went to my first sit with ayahuasca in Peru, I hiked Machu Picchu by day and then went and sat with the medicine that night for a few days. And, um, man, <laughs> every, I had done mushrooms maybe once or twice before, very mild, like through tea. And so yeah, psilocybin, you know, had been kind of coursing through my veins a little. And then I sat with the grandmother and I went in, of course, with some sort of intention being like, okay, I want to know this, this, and that. And that's never typically the way it goes. It's like super important to just go in just full trust. And um, and I did. I had I definitely had full trust. But that was one of the most profound experiences still to date. And I've sat Aya many times since. But yet that one still, the very first time, was just mm. a mystical experience that I often, I share little tidbits, but it's so sacred to me of what was shown mm. that oftentimes I find that when you try and put combined letters of the alphabet to it, it cheapens it, you know, because it was just so profound. And we'll just say this, I'll say this, connecting back to the Magdalene, it was sexuality again. And so my experience, which if you know anything about Peru, it's actually each, there's chakras throughout the world as well. And so Peru is the sacral which is sexuality, your you know, center mm. with all your sex organs, like deep, deep. A lot of us hold a lot of epigenetic trauma or even just in our own timelines, trauma in that space. And that is why I went to sit with the medicine. I was going, okay, I need to know all of my early childhood development. Is there things that I don't know? Super transparently, you know, I was like, okay, I want to be shown. And um, instead it was sexual liberation that came through. So I was like dancing, like I was like sitting there 
in this like temple thing and this like these like movements came through me and it was full on and at the time I hadn't really been in deep study around the, the goddesses but Isis came through like this Egyptian you know goddess of magic go figure and it was this permission and um, it was this whole conversation that I won't fully get into, but it was permission. And that connected back to Mary Magdalene in a deep and profound way. So again, just go on your own studies. I just invite you into that. You know, there's a book called The Sophia Codes. Go into that. Nick, I walked into your apartment actually here in New York City. I walked in and the first thing I see lying on his table was this the book, The Sophia Codes. So if you're wanting to dig in deeper into some of this knowledge, Kaya Ra, a beautiful, beautiful author, channeled some profound messages from these goddesses and it talks a lot about all this stuff so yeah check that out <laughs> and thank you as a divine masculine character for saying yes to reading that kind of stuff because that's not common so thank you <laughs> yeah well thank you for even introducing me to that and many many other things uh many other deeply spiritual practices and and ideas I've definitely been inspired by your journey and and who you are. So jumping back, yeah, thank you. Let's let's Keep go. Me honest. <laughs> let's go into the space of, you know, was there anything else beyond through this journey where you were also deconstructing? I'm sure, like dating different masculine, feminine archetypes, and what did you learn through that to kind of start you on this new journey of? non-binary transition yeah i have always dated men and women i mean there was like a season in my life where i wasn't super honest about it because i was so afraid of the shame and the fear um but that's just been my truth ever since i was little like remember at like five years old you know having like my very first girl crush and all that so all that to say i after my marriage you know, was introduced to one of the most incredible, extraordinary feminine archetypes, my beloved Emmy Bush. And I had this moment in my life where we started dating. We had this whole beautiful process. And I had gone from a marriage, you know, a Christian marriage to this now same-sex relationship. And I realized after, you know, really meditating on it, I was like, wow, I am learning more about divinity or what God is through Emmy than I have through my Christian marriage. And it was because she just is. It doesn't need to explain itself. And so as I, you and I talk about this a lot, Nick, is like we are spirit speaking through the avatar of Nick Onkin and Eleven. And that's what we're not humans living in. You know, we're, we're humans living in a, you know, what, what am I trying to spirit. say? <laughs> spirit. We're spirit. There we go. We're spirit living in a human experience. We're spirit living in a human experience, not the other way around. Yeah. And so oftentimes we get really lost in the story. And every time I come back, I'm like, oh, right. Like I've learned more about my own divinity through, you know, Emmy or through these, you know, beautiful feminine archetypes because it just doesn't need to announce itself. It just is. And um, yeah, so this transition for me began when i mean okay so i go by 11 because dun 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 drum roll please <laughs> boom i was born with 11 motherfucking toes <laughs> okay love it it's just been written in the stars y'all okay i'm an aquarius i'm an aquarius with 11 toes so it's just been written my dad told me ever since i was little that i was a hybrid he was like 
you know, you are definitely part angel, part, you know, like hybrid, whatever that means. I'm not going to get into that whole thing. But ever since I was little, my dad's a wild one and told me I was an angel. And, and then it wasn't until later again in my, my spiritual pursuits and my meditations that I was like, oh, wait. And the medicine helped a lot in the medicine world. I was like, I'm a, an angel and angels are non-binary. Angels are fully androgynous beings. It's just, we are an aspect of our mother and our father. And to create this unification between God and goddess within, it's like this infinity symbol, mm -hmm. you know, from within. And um, I feel very balanced in my energetics. So no, I don't have a penis, but I feel very balanced in my masculine energy and I'm still working through that, you know, and I'm still in deep, deep inquiry around what I'm moving through. And I don't also know how to fully explain myself all the time. And what's so cool is I don't have to. It just, it's, it just is. Yeah. You know, going yeah. back to that same thing, it doesn't need to explain itself. It just is. And that feels really good. Yeah, that's great. I mean, it, and you're stepping into this new space. And I, and I kind of want to like jump, like go back a little bit first before we jump into the becoming aspect of mm -hmm. it. But the second piece is the curation, like curating who this new identity that you want to become in this process, because we're always ascending. I, I should hope we're always taking on new narratives, learning new information and that shift that adopting and tweaking the narrative that we, the construct that we live in is always a shape shifting and constant process. Mm. So, you know, how, how did, how did 11 come to you in terms of creating this avatar, this new identity that you wanted to, to become? Yeah. I remember there's a couple non-binary archetypes that have shown up in my timeline that just inspired the hell out of me. We'll say that. I was scratching my head. I had a few conversations with them and I just was absolutely fascinated by the permission, truly. And I, I was just watching them just marveling. And um, I finally started just like chewing on it in my own self. And I was like, oh man, that's just so cool. And it wasn't about being trendy for trendy's sake. It was just this, again, this like unapologetically themselves that I was witnessing that I just really wanted a part of, if I'm honest. And so there was a moment in my relationship with M where I, I did, I said, hey, I think I want to start identifying as non-binary. Now, while at the time, this was about a year ago, I had long hair. My hair was like down past my shoulders. And I was like really, really channeling this whole like divine feminine stuff. I was deep in the Sophia codes at the time, like just like really channeling the sacred feminine, which is so needed right now in our world. So I'm really, you know, it's so good that that, you know, of course that that had to happen because I had been so raised in the father, God, father, God, father, God. So as I was embracing and suckling the teat of the mother, <laughs> I was like, okay, but I was really showing up as a very feminine presenting avatar, which never has actually felt true to me, if I'm honest. Like ever since I was little, I always was quite androgynous and wear my brother's clothes and I just wanted to be comfortable and be kind of like very balanced in, in this, this shapeshifter, yeah. like how you said, shapeshifter in between both. And um, yeah, so I I had said to Em that I felt like identifying as non-binary, but again, the avatar wasn't presenting that embodiment. Mm. And it was confusing for her. And she was like, I just don't get it. You know, what does this mean? And, you know, so we, we chewed on that for a bit too as a couple. And then Emmy and I broke up and there was a time where I got to just sit with myself 
And there was a series of months where I did sit some deeper medicine again, and I went and sat uh, a couple different things that I recommend <laughs> to everyone. Sat Bufo a couple times. Definitely check that one out because that one rocked me. And then I sat another ayahuasca ceremony. And in the ayahuasca, the last ayahuasca ceremony, it was finally this they say you have to get through. You talked about this. You and I talked about this of like do, sitting the medicine, sitting the medicine. Sometimes it's just getting through the sludge, like kind of like the movie Soul, where it's like all the stuff that's like crowding around this, yeah, you know, the lost the souls. Lightning. Yeah, the yeah. lost souls. And you just have all this shit, all the stories and all the like things that are weighing you. And then eventually, as you purge and as you just release and like transcend, then the ceremonies get much more exciting. So I finally hit one of these these moments in my one of the ayahuasca my last ayahuasca set where it was fun mm. i barely purged and i in fact met my higher self i fully saw myself as 11 before i was like you know this hadn't happened yet and i had a shaved head and i was doing this tribal dance and i was calling myself forward and so and i did have a dream about it i do a lot of work in the astral realm so i had a whole dream about it as well and it was just very profound and and then I sat in a bathtub contemplating, you know, what I knew that there was a new name because as I was shedding, you know, the married name and maiden name, all of it, I was just like, what is this? I felt a transition for a name. And then I was sitting in the bathtub one day, my little clawfoot bathtub, and I was using my feet to do the little knobs to put the hot water on. And I looked at my toe and I was like, hmm. And this has been a big part of like my transition is taking ownership of something so silly, but like literally like my little feet and like loving myself completely. And Emmy helped me break through that a lot. And she she actually was telling me one time, she's like, oh my gosh, you're an 11. You're an 11 and had like such high enthusiasm for something that I once always was bullied for as like a defect. And so that just like all of a sudden hit me, I don't know, like six months ago. And I was like, oh my goddess, 11. That's the name. I got to start going by 11. And to everyone listening, I've never seen Stranger Things, which is even more wild. <laughs> I've never seen the show. And so my brother told me, he was like, wow, there's this character named 11. I was like, really? I didn't even know. Yeah. So I could have crumbled under pressure and been like, oh, it's already happening. But no, it was a confirmation. I was like, cool. It's already in consciousness. Hell yeah. Let's go. <laughs> I love that. I love that. And you found out yesterday that having 11 toes is, uh, what, was the, what was the thing you found? It's like, a, it's a special, they like, they... From the ancient times. Yeah. Ancient cultures, man. Nat Geo. Nat Geo did a whole spread on how in ancient times that, you know, polydactyly is what it's called. Polydactyly is having, you know, extra fingers or toes that they were revered and had their own temples and had their own like <laughs> yes. jewelry. The natives, you know, had their own jewelry and stuff. They were very revered as like the the holy ones, like the teachers and stuff. So I mean, I want to learn toes now. <laughs> I just love fleet people with glitches in the matrix, man. I love it. It's my favorite. So any of y'all have glitches in the matrix, come find me. We're building a circus. Let's go. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, let's jump into becoming the third piece of becoming 11. And that's a huge thing. That's a huge, huge endeavor, a huge process, which you just had a few weeks ago in LA. You went through the process of becoming 11. So tell us about that. Yeah. August 2nd, 2020, I had a dream 
And it was my ceremony. I knew that it was going to be a very ceremonial thing, stepping into a very new vibration of truth. And um, so I called on some of my dear, dear tribe to help support this vision. And I knew I was going to be changing wardrobe. That was in my dream. It was like very Jedi. It was like I was changing from white into black and like taking ownership of actually the reversal of that, the yin, the yang, all of it. And taking on a new name. And yeah, so I had a dream. I mapped it out. I had it all written down. I used this app, another shameless plug, not sponsored by them, but we should be. Capture, go to the app store, download Capture and start recording all your dreams, y'all, because things are happening in that space in a really profound way. So yeah, I had the dream and I, and then it started all just coming to fruition and you were a huge part of that. And so I gathered, you know, 20 of my closest, closest tribe and we had like a whole flower mandala kind of circling me and I sat in the middle and had my dear soul sister, Ion, goddess Ion, facilitate this sacred ritual and each person, you know, cut off a lock of my hair and we did prayer and meditation and, and then I shaved my head. And then I went in the ocean and baptized and ushered in eleven. Yeah. Wow, what a way to do that. You can you can go to the Instagram. Yeah. I at I am one one EL. What is we'll, it? We'll put it in the show notes. We'll put it in the show notes. <laughs> but you know, if you're I sitting here listening right now, I am eleven and instead of an L, it's two ones. You can see the photos of what we're talking about that I photographed yes, you the did. event so will be ceremony but it was a beautiful ceremony and i just find it interesting you know how is it now stepping in and be, you know stepping into that avatar that character well even the lead up to the ceremony was challenging everything that could have come up during those first you know couple months or whatever month beforehand was coming up to be healed so i was going through really interesting identity alchemy. We'll say that. Yeah. I would be looking myself in the mirror and I do a lot of mirror work, a lot of scrying and stuff like that. And I would be looking in the mirror and just not recognizing who was staring back and knowing what was coming, right? But still just shedding the last parts of the Lynette Sine story that I knew I was going to be putting on a shelf. And listen, and I love, you know, your friend Jeremy talks about like your name is the primordial sound of who you are. So Lynette Sine is always going to be a part of me. And who knows? You know, I'm not making any promises. I'm just saying kind of like a David Bowie, you know, had Ziggy Stardust. I'm just really about, you know, alter egos and all that. I have another one named Zagana. Listen, I grew up with magician parents. I'm keeping it interesting over here. So you've got Andy Kaufman who had Tony Clifton. I'm just channeling some really interesting stuff here and I'm having a great time while doing it. And it is my highest vibration of truth, this, this alter ego. And yeah, so 11 coming through and really taking ownership of that has been so unique. Whoa. I have gotten such deep affirmation from everyone around me, which is such a gift. I, yeah, so I've had so much support and that's not necessarily that it's my brother totally gets it. Bless up, Derek. Thank you for seeing me. Thank you for loving me through all of my wild-hearted ways. And I think my parents are still just very confused by me, which is totally okay. I totally understand and I respect and honor them. I just have really strong boundaries around what you know I let, I let in. And so the support that I have on the other side has just been such a gift. But that doesn't go without the doubt 
you know, there's there's been a lot of doubt of just me going, am I crazy? Am I losing my mind? Like, what am I doing? You know, there's definitely that, of course. Yeah. But it's all a part of it. So I just keep showing up. And I'm like, this is what feels true. This is what feels honest. And you and I were up till, I don't know, one in the morning almost talking about this stuff because <laughs> it's been challenging for me to like really take ownership in moments and try and find what all this means. And, you know, a mentor once said to me, be as authentic as you can in any moment given where people will freely receive what you will freely give. Yeah. Let me say it again because I was a little stumbly. Be as authentic as you can in any moment given where people will freely receive what you freely give. And that's what I'm doing. I'm trying to be as authentic as I can. I'm not fully nailing it, but I'm doing my damn best and that's what I can commit to. Well, you're doing a great job. Hey, thanks. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's interesting like how much attachment to the spacesuit, the earth suit that we have, right? And you know, I think there's spaces where that, you know, and I I've been there to where it was like the ego in the spacesuit, the ego is the command center of the spacesuit, and that's all we know. We believe that that is who we are. And so the ego goes outside because the only way that it, it eats is by external validation. Mm. And that's, you talk about the illusion of success. And that's why we're seeing so many billionaires crumbling right now inside. And, you know, I posted, we were talking about that quote, no one has their shit together. No one does. We're all trying to figure this shit out and like figure out what our existence is, what this is here. Right. And, I think Soul was such a beautiful movie for me to watch. And to, if you haven't seen Soul, go and watch it. But it's such a gift. Life, the human experience is a gift to divine intelligence to experience everything that we get to experience. All the feelings, happiness, sadness, anger, joy, all these different things is part of that experience. And, you know, you talk about living a great story. And I love that. I love that because, you know, you are the director and the creator of your life and you get to choose where to, to like stretch yourself and where to put yourself. And I think this whole identity alchemy process that you've gone through is really pushing the avatar, right? You know, I think it's pushing, yeah, and I'd love to hear more from you on this of like your perspective on how you can shift and become whoever you want to in this world because it is just an avatar and what is that looking like for you right because we were talking about becoming the becoming piece of the process mm. is that's the next part of it is who are you what are you putting out into the world whether it's through content if it's a personal brand or just high level art and and what impact are you looking to make in in the world yeah yeah yeah, just to add to what you said, I always encourage people. I'm like, hey, I've written actually a whole piece about this is that you are the main act. You're, you know, you're the talent, you're the director, you're the producer, you're the sound supervisor of your own life. You can put whatever music on you want throughout the day to like raise your vibration and make you feel like you're the lead and the lead role, right? You're the wardrobe stylist, you're the makeup artist, if you want to wear makeup, you're, you are all of those roles for your life. And the only thing that I beg of you not to play or the beg of you not to show up as is, you know, the extra or the supporting role in your life. 
And I was doing that my whole life, you know? So like now I've been like, wow, fuck yeah. 11 is the lead. Let's go. <laughs> so yeah, a lot of, I mean, hey, listen, like already I dated women. So like, okay, I had like attention flown in my way for sure. So I was like, got to choose between, you know, you just like really compound your, it compounds with interest, you know, like, wow, okay, cool. So I can choose between the masculine and the feminine now. Great. And now the whole world just opened up where it just is literally an avatar and where I now there's a ton of attention kind of being pumped my way of just, you know, I'm being offered lots of different advances where I'm like, whoa, these I'm calling in really unique archetypes that I don't think I ever would have before because I'm just living unapologetically myself and colorful and loud and outspoken and yeah, sexually free, sexually liberated. So I think how I show up online now offers people this feeling of exactly that permission just permission to be yeah and that's all that i could ever hope for sure yeah and so the greats the ascended masters that i call on every day are like you know david bowie and Edie sedgwick and marilyn monroe and like all of these <laughs> archetypes that really just showed up you know prince michael jackson all of them permission 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 yeah. hell yeah more permission yeah absolutely so as a piece of practical advice mm -hmm. what advice would you give to someone in creating congruence between who they are interpersonally and what they're putting out there in their personal brand publicly whether it's instagram youtube just out there well and this is something that we just talked about so this is what i look forward to seeing from you too is like what i beg from all of us is to just be vulnerable vulnerability is your superpower so sharing with people the process and like what's coming up in real time. And so again, that, that goes back to that same thing, authenticity, authenticity, just being authentic, sharing your process. And um, I love that you put that quote, like none of us have our shit together. It's all an illusion. And so I think when we can be vulnerable and show up and be like, hey guys, I don't have all the answers. I'm just showing up. That resonates with people. So I would just, yeah, beg for more, or just invite, right? Maybe not beg. I don't need to be begging. But I just, yeah, would like prompt more honesty, more transparency. That's what we're moving into. It's so obvious. The whole world is craving just deep honesty because everything else has been such a, a sham. Right. Oh, here's an interesting question. <laughs> so what's the difference between being vulnerable and airing your dirty laundry? Is there a difference? Is there? Is there a difference? Okay, here's what I've learned. Here's what I've learned. Because I've shared a lot of shit online, guys. Like, I've shared the darkest stuff online. Like, literally, just if anyone knows like me well, they know. I'm like, I just say everything. Here's what I've transitioned to now in my 30s. Because I've been doing this for a decade online. And this was actually really great. I was grateful for Emmy to really bring this into my awareness. Um, I would share things without having processed it. So I'm a verbal processor. So I would turn on the camera and just like start in real time processing rather than being in deep inquiry or self, you know, self-contemplation mm. beforehand. So now I don't do that as much. So I now, now I'll like sit with something for a little bit to chew on it and like marinate and like really think about it before sharing. Sometimes it is stream of conscious, but that way the outside opinions don't really sway you. So I think Listen, I think share it all, bear it all. Why not? What are we trying to prove? Who cares? Right. And but definitely know how your body feels and like how your heart feels when discussing it, if that makes sense. Right. Yeah. Got it. 
Okay, so how do we feel? Because like we're going to talk about some stuff between us. And I was like, Nick, I think we should talk about vulnerability stuff between us, flirting with creativity, the muse and the artist. We're going to get there. Yeah. Well, the next piece of the conversation was flirting with creativity. Unless we want to talk about blending blending the lines between. No, we're going to make them wait. We're going to make them wait. We'll we'll wait for it. Stay tuned because we're going to talk about, you know. The relations between Nick and I, what, we, what we've been navigating. It's good. It's good stuff. So stay tuned. <laughs> stay tuned. <laughs> we got you on the edge of your uh, seats. Uh, that might be on the next episode. Oh, good. Oh, oh, oh. Subscribe. Subscribe now. So hit subscribe. Hit a review. Five stars. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, let's go into, let's kind of traverse into flirting with creativity. It was something we were kind of talking about last night. In just the aspect, I would love to know what this means to you, but like in the aspect of living and breathing creatively, right? Through whatever your creative expression is, through clothes, through things that inspire you, your your surroundings. What does that mean to you, flirting with creativity? Yeah, I think here we are in the middle of a global pandemic. Loungewear has now become a hot commodity. Okay. So Nick and I were just chatting about how I feel this spirit of judgment sometimes because I show up in full regalia in my life and I'll be just like, you know, I do live in a community home with, you know, a beautiful cast of characters. We'll say that. And so I do, I kind of like go all the way sometimes and I do the full gear. I do the sequins and the this and that. And I really like to show up. And that's what I think flirting with creativity looks like. Listen, I've, I'm transitioning into this new archetype. I'm doing all these things. And even before that, I just, I always would kind of put on the full costume. And that's what I mean by if creativity is going to show up for you guys, if you're just like sweaty and Elizabeth Gilbert talks about this, by the way, it's just a side note and give her credit she talks about this in the movie in the excuse me in the book big magic her movie was e pray love meaning her book was also e pray love so elizabeth gilbert full-on hero i know we're gonna be best friends i already know i'm just casting that spell you should have her on your podcast yeah <gasps> Gilbert to. is gonna be on your podcast see abracadabra say it so she talks about creativity and how it's not gonna show up for you if you're just like sweaty and just in you know haven't brushed your teeth and you're sitting there waiting at your computer, waiting for this like book to be, you know, coming through or whatever it is. Right. And what I love and admire about you, Nick, is that you live your life in such a creative with such creative flair and you're constantly, it's just like colorful and vibrant and fun. And you're here in New York city and sometimes it's 25 degrees outside. And yet, you know, you're not really going anywhere, but I FaceTime you and there you are in your full gear and it's inspiring, you know? And so I think we match each other in that way of just showing the hell up for creativity so that I can move through you and your avatar and your, you know, archetype that you're being, that you're embodying. And I think, putting perfume on for creativity, taking it on a date, really, really showing up and flirting with the muse, right? The muse is creativity in the ether. So tapping in and there's that whole concept of eudaimonia, you know, just like tapping in. Eudaimonia? Eudaimonia. Eudaimonia. Explain. Well, and this is another Elizabeth Gilbert thing. I just have all these beautiful archetypes that have taught me along the way. Eudaimonia is the concept that they used in the Greek where da Vinci, for instance, da Vinci wouldn't say, or people wouldn't go up to da Vinci and be like, oh, da Vinci, you're such a genius. 
they would say you have a genius or a muse kind of thing, you know, assigned to you and it shows up for the day or it doesn't. And you get to tap in to this ether, to this divine creativity or the muse or the, you know, uh, the genius. And that way what it does is it protects you from narcissism or self-sabotage. Because if it's outside of you and it's just not like you, you're doing, like you're the only one. Like it's just a lot of artists get that way, you know, and they become like just these, you know, awful people because they're just like, oh, I just have writer's block. You know what I mean? Like it's all like, because it's outside. They're thinking that it's them that's creating it. Right. And I'm like, y'all, get clear. Y'all, it's tapping in. It's, It's opening the channel, the vessel to let creativity flow through you. And that's a practice. That's an awareness, actually. I'd had this crazy mushroom journey on New Year's Day and laying in my bathtub for like four hours, listening to music, Music for Mushrooms by East Forest. And this was a crazy, so made this concept so real and so not it was like knowledge by experience versus knowledge by like i've heard it like we're hearing it right and you're probably hearing this understanding what that concept is but this journey just took me into the space where it was like you know they were telling me that all the mushroom journeys i've had up until this point was about clearing the channel about healing the vessel about cleaning the vet like you go in for like a deep gum cleaning right i had to do that a couple years ago because my gums were getting so bad dennis dr alex shalman he was like yo we need to do a deep clean and it was like it was painful i had to go in and like you know get shot up with a novocaine and like he had to go in there with like a like a knife basically and like clean all of this shit out that's just you know part of the part of the process and I think our earth suits are just like that, right? Our earth suits get clogged with trauma in our body. The trauma gets stored in our body and all these things, just like in the movie Soul we we're talking about, it's like the the lost souls have this like mm-hmm. cloud of like darkness that is just like the, that never-ending loop of your default mode network of like, I'm not good enough, I can't do this, yada, yada, yada. And these, that's the shit that keeps you from opening the channel and opening the vessel. And like this journey was just like, you know, we are now, we've cleared your Light channel. Body and obviously activated. it's not, yeah, it's not, it's not like it's always, you know, it's, it's ongoing work, right? Like every time we, you know, everything we go through in life builds some sort of traumatic response that we have to keep clearing and we have to move through. And like, you're doing all this, the soul initiation project and mm-hmm. helping people move their, through their, their trauma and mm-hmm. stuff like that. But yeah, I mean, this, this adventure, this, this journey really kind of opened that space up for me. And it's like been different since then mm. in a really beautiful way. Um, I feel that for me deeply. Yeah. I feel you being a lot more open than you were for sure. And how do you flirt with creativity? How do I flirt with creativity is a, you just give me an eyebrow raise. I'm just giving people a visual here. Eyebrow raise. <laughs> Hey, <laughs> maybe I flirt with my muses. I don't know. Ah, okay. <laughs> and we're going to flirt with this one because I think the uh, 
<clears throat> oh, clearing the throat, clearing the throat. <laughs> well, okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> no, no. I think that I think the the muse blending is going to be on another episode, so you're going to stay tuned for that. <laughs> Good. However, my flirting with creativity is is creating a, a container. As you can see, you can see in my apartment here, and if you look online on my Instagram, you can see photos of my apartment where it's just like I have canvases with joy and gratitude and intention and color. And I created this container so that I'm living in a space of creativity. I wear clothes that I love that inspire me. You know to be creative it's it's not about like trying to get compliments on whatever it's about like this feels i feel like i look good in this and it just makes me want to be more creative and like even the wardrobe piece of that you know whatever brand it is or whatever piece it is i don't really care about brands or anything but it's just like how does that piece make me feel does it make me feel more colorful more inspired more creative than yeah, that's what helps. So I think music also is another mm-hmm. aspect of curation of the container to flirt with the creativity, to bring other forms of it out. I mean, I use music all the time on photography sets because it is, it's like a catalyst for creativity. It's a, it is, brings out that, that flirt, flirtation and the seduction of creativity mm-hmm. for me. Well said. <laughs> Well said. Thank you. Thank you. What is What does that look like for you in your world? Well, I think I said a little bit about like more of just, yeah, like I think I just show up in my regalia and all that. I think creating space, like you said, creating the container. So creating space for yourself. And I've talked about this with some friends, creating that space to be quote unquote bored, not to be bored, but just to see what comes through. So if it's like really sectioning off time for me to just play with paint or tie-dye, like we're going to do later and like creating the space to be creative, I think too. I think oftentimes, you know, we're so glued to these black mirrors and these handheld devices and we can get lost in consuming more than we are creating. And that is definitely lethal to creativity. Yeah. Is consuming and witnessing other people in their truth because you're not creating the space for yourself. So that's been something that I've just definitely committed to is, you know, giving myself the space. I'm an artist. Yeah. You know, and I grew up with artist parents. So I'm really grateful that I was able to witness that in them too. But yeah, creating the space. Yeah. I mean, you do that in the spaces and, you know, I've been to your, your, you had an apartment in Joshua Tree and then even your room in the house. It's like you definitely have such a great eye for, for your space as well. And, and and your space induces creativity in and of itself. I mean, it has for me. Yeah. Um, just being in that space and being in I'm your in Charlie magic. Charlie Chaplin's old room right now. Are you kidding? That's so crazy. Team and spirit, ascended <clears throat> master, calling Charlie every day. That's been actually really helpful as my transition came through too. That archetype, dude. Charlie Chaplin, for sure, man. I've been, and that how helpful and how prophetic that I'm in Charlie Chaplin's room as this 11 archetype came through. Again, permission to just take ownership of an alter ego because Charlie Chaplin really created Charlie Chaplin. You know what I mean? Like he didn't look like the character that he embodied. He actually, like in real life, he just created this character. Like a lot of the greats did, Cary Grant, a lot of them created, you know, these other avatars to show up and embody so yeah yeah, my room is fun and magical and mystical (laughs) and it's really fun i love it i love it well i think we're gonna put a pin here i'll put a pin and we're gonna dive into the next episode 
And I think, you know, where it's, I think we're going to get to get into the, the vulnerability space and we're going to process live through some of the things we've been working through in blending of the muse and the artist. Yeah, blurring the lines between the artists. And or the blurring the lines. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, what that means. And what does that mean? So stay tuned. Jump in. Thank you guys so much for tuning in to today's episode of the Yonkin Radio Podcast with my dear friend Eleven and touching on some deeper spaces of life and, and spirituality. And if you enjoyed today's episode, I would love it if you could help us out by leaving us a good review over on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to your podcasts. If you want to follow Eleven, I am 11X, I believe is their Instagram. My Instagram is at Nick Honkin. You can tag us and ask us any questions through DM or whatever, and maybe we'll be able to share with you any insights that we've learned along the way. So with that, you know what time it is. It's time to go out and create your life by creating every small moment. And we'll see you next time. Mm-hmm.